Podcast, your source for all the latest Batman news related to movies, television, merchandise, and video games. Thanks for making the Batman Universe your ultimate source for Batman news. Welcome to the Batman Universe Podcast, episode number 78. I'm your host, Dustin, and today I am joined by our guest hosts, which are actually from the comic cast, Don and Stella. Hello. Hello. And they are here today because we are going to discuss the events that happened at San Diego Comic-Con 2012, which was in July, and they attended on behalf of the Batman Universe and attended the panel's that relate to this podcast as well as the comic ones, but we've already talked about the comic stuff on the Batman Universe Comic Podcast, so you can take a listen to that if you're interested in what they announced as far as comics go, but as far as TV, movie, merchandise, video game, and general news, that's what we're going to talk about here, and during the future, we're going to actually talk about the news out of Comic-Con. So, with that... We do have a decent chunk of listener Q&As, and we are going to cover the news and then talk the feature. So, let's get right into the movie news. Ah! You just crippled that man! He's young. He'll walk again. Now, obviously, the big news of the month was the release of The Dark Knight Rises. And if you're listening to this podcast, you can actually check out the Batman Universe specials for our review of The Dark Knight Rises all of us were present for the actual special, so you can hear our take and our thoughts based off of what happened within the actual movie. So, as far as movie news goes, there isn't a ton of news other than a lot of it leading up to the release of The Dark Knight Rises. There's stills, there's trailers, there's TV spots, there's a synopsis, all that was released at the beginning of July leading up to it. In the middle of the month, there was a feature that was revealed on DoGothamCity.com that showed off the Batcave, as well as uh, it was like a 13-minute featurette showcasing kind of the behind-the-scenes, and I'm sure that'll pop up on the Blu-ray when the movie gets released, but you can check that out on the website as that is also available for you to check out. In addition to that, we also have a number of clips, and like I said, TV spots. As far as the box office goes, The Dark Knight Rises is now, in fact, the highest-grossing 2D release ever. Yeah. Grossing in $160.9 million opening weekend. It's only behind The Avengers and Harry Potter's and the Deathly Hollows Part 2, which also had higher ticket prices from the 3D format, so that's also nice. In addition to that, another record that The Dark Knight Rises has is that it's the fastest grossing movie in IMAX ever. So that's another record that it has as well. In addition to that, while you're listening to this, the worldwide box office is well over $600 million, and it was number one the first two weeks. And as we're recording this, we don't actually have the stats, but I'm sure it was also number one the weekend that we're recording this, which is the first weekend of August as well. I read that like it's it's going to like 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 clearly go over a billion like faster than... The Dark Knight did. I don't know if it's as fast as Avengers, but I remember reading somewhere that like the, the speed of it, that it's going to make over a billion dollars is, is pr- pretty record breaking. I'm just happy that that for once someone has recognized that, you know, 3D is not all it's sort of cracked up to be. And I think that, you know, besides sort of the, the wham bam that 3D 
brings that, you know, if you can do that in 2D, that's, that's the great thing. And I really respect Christopher Nolan for just sort of sticking streamline. And I mean, this movie carries itself. So there's no need to go out of your way to do that. Yeah, I definitely agree. I, I can't stand the 3D format myself. I'm glad that despite, I'm sure, a lot of push from Warner Brothers to make it 3D so that they could get higher ticket sales, Chris Nolan stood his ground and kept it 2D, but then also you know, added a lot more IMAX footage too, because if you haven't had a chance to see an IMAX, you definitely need to try to get out there and see it in IMAX before it ends its run in the theaters, because it's definitely worth seeing in IMAX at least once. Oh yes, absolutely. I have not had the opportunity, but I think that would be enjoyable to see it. Because I've seen it twice, but they've both been regular edition. All right, so then as far as any other movie news we have, there's only really one other thing that is not Dark Knight Rises related, and that is over on July 31st, MTV revealed the first trailer, well, the trailer for Batman The Dark Knight Returns Part 1, which will actually release this coming September, so... There's bound to be a lot of promotional materials being released from that, interviews and screenshots, so make sure you're checking the website for that. But let's talk about the trailer. I thought the trailer was pretty good. One of the things that's really cool about this particular DC adaptation movie is that like, there's a lot of shots that look almost painted, sort of add the atmosphere. And I know they're going for that kind of like that mood, because I know some of the Dark Knight Returns original covers for the issues did have a sort of painted look, or at least a little bit more of a, a fully illustrated look. I remember seeing shots of the Mutant Leader and shots of Bruce Wayne or Batman looking a little bit more intense. And I know that they've shown scenes of like, you know, Carrie introducing herself as both Carrie and Robin. They show scenes of Batman returning to the fight, fighting Two-Face, and like, you know, I mean, I, I mean, anybody who's listened to this podcast has obviously heard of the book, if not read it themselves, so I'm not sure how, how detailed I want to talk about plots, but like, they'll show scenes that they're in the comic book, and it looks like they're trying to make as pure of an adaptation as possible, which is interesting if they can beat the uh, Batman Year One adaptation, because that was pretty faithful as well. Yeah, I guess I was shocked that it was being broken into two parts. That sort of caught me unawares, and maybe that was just me not reading (laughs) different news stories until that particular trailer. But from what I've seen, because I recently read the story, it looks really faithful. And it's interesting because I just watched the Batman the Animated Series episode where there are the kids there and they sort of have these different visions and their perception of who Batman is. And one of them was actually the Dark Knight returns. And so thinking about that and then how it can be adapted in a full-length movie is pretty exciting. I'm most interested to see how they incorporate the news because that was sort of something that really carried through the entire four issues, just all these newscasts having debates on the news and everything. And I'm just interested to see how that comes in this particular form. Yeah. Now, the other thing is because it's broken up in two parts, my understanding is that the first part the first film that's releasing in September is actually going to focus on the first two books of the four books of the series. And then early next year, we can expect in February, most likely, based off the pattern that the movies get released from Warner Brothers Animation for the DC Universe, we can expect the next movie to be released in February, and that would be based off of the third and fourth book, which means obviously Superman will pop up in the second film and also as well as the Joker, but the main focus this time around is the mutants. Two-Face is there as well, so that's the big thing that's happening in this one. I was going to say something else about, by the time you guys have listened to this, I believe that our review of The Dark Knight Rises will have been out. It already is. Okay, cool. Excellent. 
I need to download that. But um, I'm wondering now that like now that we've seen Dark Knight Rises, how cognizant or aware the people who are making the Dark Knight Returns director video if they had seen the movie at all because there's so many Dark Knight Returns references in that movie which we've already discussed in the review. I'm wondering like I mean the timing of it is perfect so. I'm really curious as to how much of it is pure coincidence and how much of it is planning on Warner Brothers' part. I'm also really shocked that given its September 25th release date, just that it wasn't at all present at San Diego Comic-Con. I think it would have been like a really big push for it, especially because this was, you know, the month of The Dark Knight Rises. And so to not be there is very strange. And I guess you can look forward to it at the Chicago Comic-Con, but I don't think it'll get nearly as much press as Batman Year One did last year. I agree. Well, I can tell you because I contacted Warner Brothers asking them why the film wasn't actually going to be there since they normally debut whatever the film that's coming out in the fall is at San Diego. And they actually stated because San Diego was actually bumped up a week earlier than usual, they couldn't get the film done completely in that week time frame, which I know is kind of hard to believe, but at the same time, you know, I'm, I'm not saying I doubt that they're lying about it. I'm sure if they had the opportunity to promote it, they would have. Clearly, they just didn't have the opportunity to promote it as well as they could have. Without being able to show the film, there's not a whole lot they could have done except for revealing maybe next year's slate of films besides part two. So that was the main reason. And I, I'm pretty sure it's probably not going to be at Chicago or the Wizard Con in Chicago either. Just because Warner Brothers tends not to attend the Wizard World conventions. I honestly think that's a big flaw because this is one of those things that fanboys have been clamoring for ever since they started making these director video movies. I mean, this is the Dark Knight Returns yeah. in movie form, essentially. Mm-hmm. You know, like, why wouldn't they have that shown in any convention? I, I really do think that's a missed opportunity. I think what it is is if fanboys have been clamoring for it for. Uh, you know, almost five years now. Right. I think at that point, Warner Brothers is really wanting people to buy it regardless of whether or not there's people out there to say whether or not they've seen it or not. Yeah, and I think probably its name will certainly carry it, but I, I think there are going to be other movies like Flashpoint is something I think they really are going to have to sell. But I think Dark Knight is, is going to be able to sell on its own, but it would be great to have that press out there. All right, so that is all the movie news. As I said, Batman The Dark Knight Returns Part 1 is actually coming out on September 25th, so you can mark that date on your calendars. We still have one more episode before that releases to talk about, and I'm sure there'll be some news that comes out about that as well. But let's move into TV news. There was absolutely no new episodes of Young Justice that aired during July, so we can't really review any of those. But there is a little bit of TV news besides what was talked about at Comic-Con. First up on July 2nd... La La Land Records announced that they have a new release for Batman the Animated Series in the form of a second volume, which will debut at Comic-Con International, which obviously already has. It's a four-CD set. You can check out their website. It is a limited edition, 3,500 units only, so you can try to get a hold of that. Also, the Batman Animated Series Volume 1 is re-releasing with an additional 5,000 units, and that's part of the second edition. That price is $25 for that one as well. They're also planning on making some other series related to Batman as well. Be sure to check out the website for any news related to those. Alright, the next bit of news we have... Beware my wrath. 
After Comic-Con, the day of July 27th, Beware the Batman was heavily promoted at Comic-Con International and is set to debut next year, but Variety reports that from multiple sources at Warner Brothers Animation that they are changing some of the elements for the series based off the recent shootings in Aurora, Colorado. Elements related to guns will be changed to be less realistic. The barrels of the weapons will be more square instead of round to appear more sci-fi-like instead of more realistic. So it seemed similar to the way that weapons were depicted in Batman the Animated Series. This change is said to come from executive producer and Warner Brothers Animation VP Sam Register. No word on how this will affect the show's debut or obviously when the show will debut. But basically, they feel as if it's more necessary to not have a cartoon that's being promoted to children with realistic weapons, which is understandable, and I understand it, but I'm not real sure why this became a news story other than the timing of it, because as we stated in the article on the website, the weapons for Batman the Animated Series were square as well and not round, so not exactly sure what the point of that was. Yeah, on the one hand, I totally understand why they're doing it. I mean, not only in relation to the Colorado tragedy, but you just don't want to have... You don't want to have kids look at a Batman cartoon and think that they can get away with just, you know, using guns. It's, it's, it's bad mojo at the same time, at the same time though. I don't know. Cause like this, this isn't exactly like, you know, there's been have been shooting tragedies in the country for, you know, for a while now. And I think that like, I'm not seeing such sensitivity towards cartoons related to that. I remember when the return of the Joker came out, the reason why that was edited was because it was around the time of the Columbine tragedy. And I'm not exactly sure if there was any visual or thematic connection to it, I think that it was just sort of Warner Brothers really just area on the side of caution, and it might be the same thing going on here. I mean, there doesn't have to be specific reasons, just they want to, you know, just keeping safe, but I do think that there could be better cause for specific things. Because I know, I, I believe Alfred's using guns in the show, mm-hmm. so I think that's one specific example, but I mean, well, I guess we'll have to see how it turns out. Yeah, when I think about this, I sort of think back to the 90s with, like, Spider-Man the Animated Series and X-Men, where, like, they were sort of sci-fi-ish weapons and they shot lasers. So even though they were sort of still considered guns, they weren't necessarily as violent. Like, they didn't really hit me as the same as sort of, like, something with a bullet. Now, at this panel, they actually talked about the fact that the first promo image they showed with, you know, Batman was in the front, they had Katana, and Alfred was there kind of in his bowler cap happen with guns and they said you know i know this has caused sort of an outrage with you and you're wondering why does alfred have guns and this was of course remember all before colorado and they jokingly showed another slide and they said you know you have no idea what it was before and then it was the same thing everyone else was the same but alfred was like this crazed maniac he looked almost like rambo he had no shirt on he had sort of the double straps of of bullets like crossing his chest and he had you know machine guns and everything and so it's sort of like a joke there it was just a joke that you know know you were oh. upset about how he looks now but you don't know what it was like before and so yeah it's a swift change obviously but it seemed like i don't want to say like the guns made alfred but really the way they were describing him it really seemed like part of his persona like they were calling him sort of the james bond or the sean connery and the untouchables kind of guy and like i can see that with you know these sort of revolvers so i just wonder how his characterization will change with this subtle change i don't know if it'll impact us at all or i guess we'll have to wait and see 
Alright, so then the last bit of news that we have comes from July 31st. Young Justice Dangerous Secrets, which is the next collection of Young Justice episodes, is actually released. It collects 14 episodes from the show and finishes off Season 1. You can take a look on the website for a link to actually find where to buy it on Amazon. You can buy it for $14 through the Batman Universe on Amazon. So just take a look in TV News for the link for that. All I have to say is I'm still waiting for seasons to come out, and I hope it does happen after we get past <laughs> this volume phase, but I guess we'll see. Yeah, I hope so, too. All right, so that is all the TV news. Let's go over to merchandise news. Whoa, 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 whoa. Lois, this is not my Batman glass. A decent chunk of merchandise news from throughout the month. The very first thing we have is on July 2nd, Toy News International posted up a teaser for another Sideshow collectible product that debuted at Comic-Con International the following week. The character is Poison Ivy. There's actually three different articles on the website that you can check out uh, with uh, various different images. Images from the actual teaser, actual stock images from Sideshow collectibles, and images from San Diego by ourselves. So you can take a look at that. On July 3rd, Hot Toys announced a Batman film Cosbaby series, which includes three different sets, one from each film that focuses on mostly the villains. So the first set from Batman Begins has Batman, Scarecrow, and Bruce Wayne unmasked. The Dark Knight set includes a Joker thug, Joker, and Batman. And the Dark Knight Rises set includes Catwoman, Bane, and Batman. So you can take a look at pictures of those on the website as well. Hot Toys revealed a ton of stuff in the month of July. Just to roll through some of them, they revealed the Dark Knight Rises Bat, the flying vehicle from the Dark Knight Rises. They revealed the Dark Knight Rises DX Batman. They revealed the Dark Knight Rises Bane. They revealed Lieutenant Jim Gordon from the Dark Knight. They also teased at a 1960s Batmobile due to the fact that now Warner Brothers has the licensing abilities for the 1960s series. They revealed the camo tumbler that appears in The Dark Knight Rises. They also revealed Catwoman from The Dark Knight Rises and a one-fourth scale Batman as well, which is a lot of stuff that has been announced. There's over four pages of merchandise news from the month of July, which is more than we ever have. So just head over there. In addition to the Hot Toys stuff, the other things that we have on the website, DC Collectibles were announced for November 2012. Among those items announced was a Batman Beyond statue by Dustin Wen, featured in the Batman Black and White style, a Dark Knight Rises Batman with EMP rifle statue, a Amikami Catwoman holiday variant PVC figure, the Dark Knight Returns Superman vs. Batman statue, and the We Can Be Heroes Just League 7-pack. You can find details and prices for all of those items on the website under Merchandise News. And I do just quickly have to say that the Batman vs. Superman Dark Knight Return statue, in the wreckage is Carrie Kelly. Like, she's she's hidden there, and you can only see it from the back. I don't know if that picture made it on the site, but I just thought that was, like, such a great detail was to see her with her slingshot. All right, so then also Sideshow Collectibles revealed a premium Batman statue. During Comic-Con, there was a couple of different posters that were revealed by Mondo, a Dark Knight Rises poster by Jacques. Hallmark revealed their 2012 keepsake ornaments in the middle of July, including a Catwoman ornament, 
and a Batman ornament based off of The Dark Knight Rises. Those are already available for pre-order as we speak, and we're both $14.95 as far as price goes. On July 18th, Under Armour released a limited edition line of apparel based off the fictional football team that appears in The Dark Knight Rises, the Gotham Rogues. There's all kinds of apparel. It is limited edition, so if you are interested in buying some of this, you need to get out there and actually buy it sooner rather than later because it's a limited run. As soon as it runs out, it's gone forever. And as of now, all of the more inexpensive t-shirts and hats are already gone, and all that's really left is a lot of the more expensive jerseys and jackets that they released as well. Are you getting any of that stuff, Dustin? The Gotham Rogues? I really want one of those jerseys, but I don't have $200. I know. That's the thing that it's like Under Armour plus the Gotham thing is like raking the prices. Yeah, especially since the best part is over on the Mountain Dew promotion that they ran for the Dark Knight Rises, with the points that you accrue, you can like buy gear from their gear shop. Or you can use them for sweepstakes. And one of the sweepstakes prizes is a Gotham Rogues jersey and a Gotham Rogues football helmet, a replica football helmet from the movie. The funny thing is they actually say that that prize package is valued at $350 and the helmet is worth $250 and the jersey's only worth $100. And I'm just thinking to myself, so the jersey's only technically worth $100, but they're trying to charge you $200 on Under Armour's website. Interesting. (laughs) Anyway, on July 19th, Warner Brothers showed off a ton of the merchandise related to The Dark Knight Rises. You can take a look at a bunch of the pictures on the website. They released a press release naming off a number of the different companies involved in some of the merchandise being released in celebration of The Dark Knight Rises. A bunch of different Mattel items, Funko, Mr. Potato Head, Batman, clothing, shoes, books, all kinds of different things. You can take a look at the press release as well as some of the pictures on the website. And finally, the last bit of merchandise news we have is on July 27th, Toy News International posted up some pictures of Enter Bay's The Dark Knight Batman figure, which is how Batman appeared in the beginning of The Dark Knight. This figure is similar to the Hot Toys, but not nearly as detailed or as high quality, but it is also in the one-fourth scale, so if you're interested in that, you can take a look on the website. At the beginning of The Dark Knight Rises? No, the beginning of The Dark Knight. It's really stupid. But he's in the costume from Batman Begins, but they didn't uh, want to say Batman Begins. They wanted to say The Dark Knight. So that way, in turn, it could have somewhat of a relevance to The Dark Knight Rises, so it doesn't seem like they're putting out a figure that was, you know, six years too late. I gotcha. That is stupid. <laughs> yeah. All right, so that is all of the merchandise news. As far as video game news, there's only really one thing to go over. You. I trusted you. During Comic-Con, Warner Brothers sent out a press release about Injustice Gods Among Us, the upcoming game from NetherRealm Studios, revealing that Nightwing and Cyborg will be appearing in the game when the game is released next year. They also revealed some screenshots, as well as a new trailer, so you can check out the trailer on the website. So, I was in the DC booth (laughs) quite a bit, whether to wrangle people or get different, like, goodies or things like that. And either they would have someone on stage talking about this game, or you could get into a very long line and play it. And the only thing I have to say is that it looks really cool, but I wonder how this is at all going to be different from the DC versus Mortal Kombat. Like, what you know, why should we go out and buy this game? Like, what is kind of the the catch, and is it going to be a cool game? That's what I'm wondering. 
The thing that really is interesting to me is, is this game going to have a storyline, or is it just going to be, hey, you're going to be fighting against other superheroes and villains within the DC Universe, and that is the only difference from Mortal Kombat versus DC or DC versus Mortal Kombat. It's just, to me, is when I first heard about the game, my immediate thought was the same thing. It was, wow, this seems like it's the same thing that we got not even four years ago with Mortal Kombat vs. DC, and now here we are with this game, and the difference is there's no Mortal Kombat in the game, it's just superheroes and villains, which is fine, but I still hope that it's not just a Mortal Kombat game, because I feel as if, you know, Marvel's been doing the thing with Marvel vs. Capcom for quite some time, Mm -hmm. and I'm really hoping that this isn't the answer that Warner Brothers has because Marvel keeps putting out Marvel vs. Capcom games is by having, you know, this Mortal Kombat-like game without the Mortal Kombat people because Warner Brothers owns the studio that makes Mortal Kombat. I'm really just hoping that this is not what's actually going to happen. I actually had hopes and thoughts of the Capcom fighting game franchise, including the DC characters, so they could have like a big free-for-all fight, because the Marvel's Capcom games are really good, and I think that the DC franchise would greatly benefit from that. I doubt it's going to happen, because Marvel and DC are bitter enemies currently. But, I mean, I think it would be better than DC fighting Mortal Kombat characters or whatever, because I think it's a little bit more accessible with Capcom fighters. There was a game that Marvel put out called Marvel Nemesis, and it wasn't a good game because I couldn't really get into the other characters, but they basically merged fighting as well as platforming. Like you would do some sort of levels and then you'd have to get to your boss and it would basically be like three, two, one fight and would be like (laughs) basically a fighter game. So if they were able to merge it and like you're saying, Dustin, basically give us a good storyline, then I think they would be able to give us something better than the Mortal Kombat game. Alright, so that is all the video game news we have. As far as general news goes, there's only a couple things to go over. Most of them refer to either The Dark Knight Rises, as far as promotions go, or things related to Comic-Con. The very first thing that we'll actually talk about is that there was a Batmobile documentary that premiered at Comic-Con, then eventually also aired on The CW the following Monday after Comic-Con. I'm almost positive that not only this Batmobile documentary, but also the 13-minute featurette that was released through the Mountain Dew promotion will be part of the special features for The Dark Knight Rises when it's released on Blu-ray and DVD because almost the exact same thing was done last time around for The Dark Knight, where they had two specials that were, I believe, on the History Channel. I may be wrong. Yeah, 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 you're right. Yeah, they were on the History Channel, and they both ended up making it onto the special features, but they released around the time that the movie was releasing in theaters. So... I'm positive that you're not missing anything out by missing those two things if you haven't seen them, but you will probably still have the opportunity to see them once the movie gets released. And they were pretty cool. I remember Josh and myself were at the panel, and they provided some certain information towards the making of of the cars, and they had a lot of footage. They said what influence some cars had over others, and like it was very much a very cool bonus that would be on the Dark Knight Rises DVD. So, I mean, I I definitely advertise it. I was somewhere else, so I missed that panel. So you say nothing. Well, I stood in line for an hour. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, sorry. All right, so that is all the news we have. As far as listener Q&As, we're going to read a couple. Can I ask you something I always wanted to ask the real Batman? Yeah. Since you're a big bat, can you turn into a tiny vampire? 
The first one is from Mike in Michigan. He says, I'm actually very excited about The Dark Knight Returns, but I share the concern that it'll be like year one. My real concern is that what they make based on Dark Knight Returns will be popular enough to greenlight an animated Dark Knight Strikes again. Really enjoy the podcast. Keep up the good work. All right, so my response is, Dark Knight Strikes Again, I don't ever see that actually being made into an animated film, even if Dark Knight Returns does amazing. I, I, I just don't see that happening because, especially if they're doing this effort and actually, you know, justifying the books and translating it into two separate films, and, you know, there's a pretty decent finality with the Dark Knight Returns. And even though it's left open-ended, similar to the way the Dark Knight Rises ends, I don't see them doing the Dark Knight Strikes again just for the sheer fact that they have a nice little ending with the Dark Knight Returns, and I don't see them doing Strikes again. I agree. They're not going to do Strikes again. I would agree first and foremost that Dark Knight Strikes again was no, it's not nearly as well received nor as groundbreaking as Dark Knight Returns. I think it sold well, but I think the reviews weren't as hot. I think that Dustin is correct in that like Dark Knight Returns has a definite finality to it where it doesn't lend itself to a sequel. And I think also it would most likely depend on the sales of Dark Knight Returns for it to merit a direct sequel. Because I think that like the Public Enemies movie did well enough that that they dipped into the sequel, which was Supergirl. And I mean, it was more of a sequel in the books because it was a second storyline for the Batman Superman title. Although there was one or two references I remember to the Public Enemies movie where, you know, it was a sequel, but it wasn't explicitly so. I think that, like, a few things have to go into it for it to be a sequel as a movie. I honestly feel that, like, DC's a little smarter than that to know that they won't just make anything a movie. They'll have to make something that's really, really well received, like New Frontier, mm-hmm. like Dark Knight Returns, and not just make it because they're storylines. Yeah, it is all about sales for sure, and, and we see or have seen how that has impacted, obviously, the female members that, I mean, Wonder Woman didn't sell well, so there's not really going to be any for that. And I think they're more interested in standalone stories right now rather than going off of, I mean, they're doing a Brainiac movie, they're doing Flashpoint, so I think they're probably going to jump around. So if the next Batman movie, I wouldn't be surprised if it was Killing Joke, that that would be <laughs> kind of intense, but I, I think they're going to stick with this particular story and not go into its sequel as well. All right. The next listener Q&A that we have is from Ryan, and he says, Hello, I just want to email you guys to say you guys are all doing a great job. I've listened to you guys for the past year and switched to DC for the New 52. I've always been a massive Marvel fan, with the exception of Daredevil. All I read now is Batman. As a kid, I was always loyal to Batman, but lost my way with him growing up. But thanks to you guys, I came back. Big fan of Scott Snyder's work on Batman with the Owls storyline. I've also picked up The Trades of American Vampire, which I think is fantastic. We'll be going back to pick up Gates of Gotham and his detective runs. I'm also loving Nightwing. Having said that, as much as I like Batgirl, I'm really disappointed. It deserves to be better, and I'm hoping it picks up. Anyway, the purpose of my email, I just listened to the Batman Universe Awards podcast 2011, which I thought was very cool. My question, though, is based on your discussions from the awards podcast, if you could recommend to me, pre-New 52, which trade paperbacks of Batgirl, Stephanie Brown, should I look at picking up? I love the chemistry that you guys have on the comic podcast. The interaction between all of you and the passion you have for the books is very refreshing, so thank you. Keep up the good work. All right, Stella, suggest some books to those people out there who are interested in learning a little bit more about pre-52 Batgirl. Okay. Well, first of all, thank you for writing in, and I'm glad you drank the Kool-Aid that (laughs) Dustin has been giving you and switched over to DC. It depends on which Batgirl you want. I always recommend Batgirl Year One, and anyone, and I promise you this, anyone that I recommend it to loves it. And that's, that's a bad story, but it's really the beginning of the whole legend of Batgirl, and it's just great. It's a really 
strong characterization of her and it's fun as well as serious. If you're into Stephanie Brown and basically Brian Q. Miller did such a wonderful job because I wasn't really into Stephanie Brown at all and now I absolutely love her and there are three trades of that Batgirl run. Got Batgirl Rising, The Flood, and then the third one, Lessons, I believe is that one. I recommend all three of those trades. Those are just fun and I mean, just a testament to his writing is, you know, if you were given a prompt, hey, it's a Valentine's Day issue with Clarion trying to find basically his cat Tickle, a loved one. You're like, that's never going to work. But that was one of my favorite issues. So I definitely recommend that. And if you're into vintage stuff, I mean, they have a Batgirl showcase from DC, just a volume one, but man, it's like 500 pages. It's great value, but you got to keep in mind that it's Silver Age. There's some wonky stuff going on there. But first and foremost, Batgirl Year One and definitely three of the trades from Brian Q. Miller's Stephanie Brown as Batgirl Run. Oh, and I think you also need to, yeah, Don, you come in on this too. <laughs> well, if you want to read Stephanie Brown specifically as Batgirl, there are the trades you just recommended to do that. If you want to read her and kind of like get to know her, the character, I would suggest the first Robin trade not the first Robin trade, I'm sorry, but like Robin, A Hero Reborn, which collects the first six or seven issues of the Tim Drake series, which heavily featured Stephanie Brown as a supporting cast member. Tim's like, you know, on and off again, love interest. You learn how her Stephanie, basically you learn why people were really excited when she became Batgirl. You get to know her there. She's also in uh, Cassandra Kane's run as Batgirl. Yeah. I think in the third trade, I think Kicking Assassins is what it's titled where she starts her friendship with Cassandra and they start to develop each other's characters through their relationship. Um, I don't think that any of her adventures as Robin is traded currently. I know, I mean, War Games is like right afterwards, but I don't think any of her particular adventures, because it was a very short time, but uh, those those stories in, in uh, Cass Kane's Batgirl run and uh, Tim Drake's Robin run are very good ways to get to know the character before she became Batgirl. I mean, Babs and Steph have it in common that they really enjoy what they do and they don't take it too seriously. Like, they still have fun doing it. But if you want something that's really different and really powerful, I also recommend Cassandra Kane as Batgirl. And those issues are really tough to find. And I know the trades don't collect everything. So you may have a bit of a treasure hunt going on with that. But it is just really impactful. And I absolutely loved it. But it is very different. All right, so thank you, Ryan, for sending your email. And hopefully those of you who are interested in Batgirl also take a listen to Batgirl to Oracle, Stella's podcast where she talks all about Batgirl as well. And you can find that over on the website as well. All right, so the next email we have is from Dimitri, and he says, Hello, TBU. I'm so excited to have purchased the Dark Knight Marathon ticket. It just goes to show that important events like this one could have been overlooked by me, and it's thanks to your last The Batman Universe podcast episode that I made it before the deadline. Another thing that I got out of that episode that I guess didn't quite excite you guys but really got me all hyped up about was next year's release of Injustice Gods Among Us. Judging from the last Mortal Kombat crossover, all of the comic fans didn't like the idea and all the Mortal Kombat fans hated superhero genres as well. I love both, and whenever new news comes out on the subject, please do report it. So far, I know that most characters revealed in Injustice are Batman Universe-related, include Batman Cyborg from Teen Titans, Harley Quinn, Nightwing, and Solomon Grundy from the JLA. Thank you for your time and the overall effort. There are so many other podcasts out about Batman, but they have all lost their specific direction appeal. The only other one I would also recommend would be Batgirl to Oracle, and as far as I know, you have also took the project under your wing. Dustin, this was your plan all along. <laughs> Absorbed it. Okay, so first off, I want to say in relation to Dimitri's email, 
I'm glad that we were able to help you get a Dark Knight Marathon ticket. That means a lot that, you know, not only did you hear what we had to say, but you were able to get it in before the deadline. As far as Injustice Gods Among Us, we are still going to report it. It's, it's just something that we're kind of questioning because we don't know a lot about it. Everything that we've been seeing so far is, it's a very, very similar to Mortal Kombat. Don't get me wrong. I know it's not going to be, you know, Batman Arkham City or Batman Arkham Asylum. I'm aware of that, and, I, and I'm not going to hold it to that standard. But at the same time, I do want the game to be more than just beat some people up because... I'm not a big fan of fighting games in general, and I'd really like to have some sort of storyline. So as long as they figure out a way to have a storyline so that the game makes sense and it's not just, you pick this character, I pick this character, and let's fight against each other, as long as it's not just that, it'll be fine with me. It's just, I th that's the only thing they've shown so far, is that you can have one character, somebody else can have another character, and you fight against each other. And for me, that's that's not going to make me want to go pay $60 for a video game so that I can get sick of it in about five minutes. That's why I can play Gotham City Imposters, which only costs $10 on PlayStation Network and Xbox Live, and do the same thing only with weapons. So that's my only concern. So it may came across as, you know, we're not real hyped up about it. It's going to take some time. They still have plenty of time to market the game and reveal more. At first, when DC Universe Online was announced, it was just, hey, this is a, you know, MMO game and it's going to be massive and here's the characters you can play as. It wasn't until much later on that they revealed the storyline that actually plays into the game and then it became a lot more interesting at least to me yeah i have no i have no additional content i'll just give my thoughts that like yeah button mashers are never really the best fighting games which is why unfortunately dc's fighting games whenever they do release one haven't been all that memorable there was one on the on the genesis i remember called justice league task force where had batman superman aquaman wonder woman green arrow and i think that was it versus like basically the legion of doom and despero and like it was a button master I mean, not that you need, you know, combos or actually you do, but not that you need like, you know, the gameplay of Street Fighter or, or anything that, you know, to kind of change the genre or anything, but just kind of make it involved and, you know, engaging and not just a cheap cash in. I think that's a big concentration is because I don't think DC really concentrates on their video games as much as Marvel tends to. I think Marvel has a much better track record at having specific character video games and DC kind of just has the whole DC universe games, you know, without really, I mean, and not that, that the DC company is actually doing that, but like there needs to be more opportunity for games. And every time there's a game coming out, it's very much, I can go one way or another way, you know, 50, 50. Yeah, I think the last DC game that I've gotten actually was Justice League Heroes. And I don't think it was too well received though. It was better received than Superman Returns. I remember that was terrible. But that was just great for me because I got to play as those characters, but it wasn't a beat me up. You know, it was like a co-op sort of thing and, and you had missions to do and everything like that. And just sort of being able to play for a character longer than a match would be great. And I'm, I hope that they come out with different unlockable characters or, uh, I mean, because it seems like these are the main people. Like Cyborg, maybe not as much, but I mean, yeah, you've got the Trinity, basically, which you'll always have. And I'm hoping that there'll be other interesting people maybe a back row maybe like cassandra kane if we can see her someplace that'd be awesome oh man she would destroy people with some of her ninja moves that would be a great character to have in this game oh yeah all right so the next listener q a that we have is from joshua and he says hey guys i want to start off by saying that i am very grateful for your site and podcast i have been a batman fan from the time i can remember i got out of comics a long time ago but with dc's new 52 i started following them again so you could say that i am an old newcomer that being said i have 
been very reliant on your outstanding site to get caught up on what I've missed and stay up to date on the current climate of all that is Batman. Thank you for that. Now on to business. I was listening to episode 76 of the Batman Universe podcast and was in much agreement of your take on the need of the new Justice League movie to have a catalyst that brings the members together. This got me thinking, and I have to say that the only real feasible answer is Batman. Yes, I am a diehard Batman fan, but I actually have good reasoning behind this. My son and I recently rented Justice League Doom. This was a remake of sorts of the JLA Tower of Babel story where it is discovered that Batman has a contingency plan to take out every member of the Justice League should the need ever arise. None of the other members of the Justice League could believe that Batman would do this. But it is so Batman. To know everything there is to know about your friends and enemies. He may not have superpowers, but he has more intelligence and forethought than all of them combined, in my opinion. Also, in the current New 52 Justice League comic series, it is Batman who is consistently seeing the bigger picture while everyone else is focusing on what is in front of them. Only Batman sees that it is going to take a team effort to defeat Darkseid. In issue number 5 of Justice League New 52, Batman is talking to Green Lantern and says... This is bigger than I am. It is bigger than you are. Get out of your own way. Focus on what's important here. Everyone else. So far, it's been batter up. But we need to stop playing baseball and start playing football. We need to be a team. Even with the minimal crossover stories in the DC superhero reboot movies that are bound to happen, Batman could bring it all together. He would be the one watching all the superhuman heroes that are suddenly popping up. He would know all that there is to know about all of them and how to bring them together. It's Batman. It's always Batman. Thanks for what you do and keep it up, Joshua. Well, Joshua, that's a great point. It's definitely something that they could do. It would be great if they did. And quite honestly, if they could figure out a way to make it so that they could have all of the separate characters leading up to the Justice League film in the future and not have to even mess with Batman at all, which I know is going to be very difficult for Warner Brothers to not touch Batman for a while and let these other heroes get established, but they could have Batman appear in like a cameo role in every single film leading up to the Justice League film as kind of the catalyst similar to what we saw with S.H.I.E.L.D. during the Avengers. So, I mean, it's definitely possible, and you still have Batman around. God knows DC Comics loves to pop Batman in whatever they need to to make sure that they can try to get the sales, so if they applied that to the movies, it could work well where suddenly Batman is this person who's slowly trying to get the superhumans together to work towards a specific cause, which could ultimately be Darkseid or could ultimately be somebody else, but Batman could be the shield element that happened with the Avengers. It's an interesting idea, especially because him without powers would need to rely on stronger forces to battle evil. It's very hard for me to kind of imagine his Justice League movie with Batman because he's so established in the public consciousness, more so than Superman, I think, well, maybe not, but like... He's so established that I think that, like, it would probably be a good idea to have him in the Fury role because you would have concentrate less on him and more on the other heroes. Actually, the more I think about that, that idea, the more it makes sense. It's odd because, obviously, the, the Justice League movie hurdle to cross is establishing the characters without completely copying the way Marvel did with the Avengers. I think that... I almost think that you wouldn't really need another Batman rebooted trilogy or movie series, but sort of like maybe establish him in other movies, kind of like they did with Nick Fury, like have him in a Flash movie, like, you know, at least mentioned or, you know, come to him. I don't know. I'm kind of spitballing the idea. It would definitely need to be high stakes. Definitely need to be something that, you know, Batman could never beat on his own. I mean, because I remember the Batman cartoon where he was a lot more inviting of characters to join the league. I remember Superman didn't want to join the Justice League and Batman invited him, which is a definite turnaround from the usual way it's done in the comics. So you could kind of approach that idea. Just kind of switch it up from what's usually expected. 
you know, more of a catalyst than Batman is Penguin because he's just popping up everywhere. No, 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 no. Oh, uh, you know, I have a really pessimistic attitude about Justice League. I just don't know if it is ever going to happen, unfortunately. And, you know, I would love to see it out there. And we're sort of already on the track about, you know, we're having these individual movies that are spotlighting people. But the last Superman film, even though I enjoyed it, is considered a bomb. Green Lantern, I didn't really like, and, and that didn't do so well. Would a female-led movie ever come out? I don't know. They're a little... <laughs> You know, they're a weary about that. And, you know, I, I've always sort of said it to people that DC can do the animated movies top notch. Like, no one can beat them in that. But they can't really do the live action with the exception of the Nolan film Batmans. And at the opposite end of the spectrum, Marvel can do these live action films wonderfully. Yes, there are some down points, but they can't do those animated films at all. And I'm just afraid that the longer we take, I just don't see a Justice League movie coming into play. I don't know. I mean, I would love to see it, but I just don't see it in the future. All right. So that is all of our listener Q&As. Thank you to all of you who emailed us. If you are interested in having your email read or you have a question or something you'd like us to talk about in the next episode, email us at podcast at thebatmanuniverse.net and we will be sure to read your email on the podcast next month. Or if it's a more pressing matter, we will actually try to email you back with a specific answer, but also talk about it later in the actual recording of the next podcast. So with that, for our feature, we're going to talk about Comic-Con International 2012. We're going to talk about the stuff that relates to the news that we would normally report on this podcast. So we're going to start off with the TV news. There's two things. The first one is the Robot Chicken DC special. We're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about the DC Nation screening, which includes talk about Young Justice, Beware the Batman, Teen Titans Go, and then we'll also talk about the merchandise, Mattel, and DC Collectibles. So I'm going to throw it over to two of the three staff members that attended Comic-Con International on behalf of the Batman universe, Don and Stella. Well, I went to the DC special solo. Stella and Josh were out elsewhere, and it was fun. There wasn't much stuff because it was actually kind of quick of a panel. You got the sense that Seth Green had to go somewhere, but they showed clips of the upcoming season, and they showed a separate trailer for the DC special. And the DC special was really fast-paced, but they do have a general outline for an idea. The idea basically is that, you know, the world's in danger and the one hero that can save them is Aquaman. <laughs> but and, and they play on the idea that Aquaman's kind of a lame hero, like, like with the League making fun of him and stuff. Batman's role, I mean, when I say role, I mean his presence there is in a few quick cuts. They had a really funny scene where, I, I think they were in the kitchen, and Bane just pops in the door and just snaps Batman's back, like, randomly. There's another scene where Batman's punching the Joker, and the Joker uses his flower spray. And uh, the the liquid that comes out of the flower spray is not what you typically expect. Uh, that's all I'll say about that. And um, it, it, it looks generally funny. I mean, Robot Chicken is, is a Adult Swim show, so its humor tends to be a little bit more vulgar. <laughs> but it is it is sort of like sort of a sporadic, almost Looney Tunes to the nth degree kind of like you know sense of humor that I do find it funny. I do like the show, and I think that like a lot of DC fans would like the show too because these guys do know their stuff or at least half of them do, they answered questions about how they kind of, like, you know, came across certain information about the DC Universe. And Jeff Johns is doing it as well. He's, he is writing half of it, so he's providing them, which is probably why Aquaman's taking center stage 
because of Jeff Johns' nepotism towards his character. But I mean, it, it looks fun. It looks funny. I'm definitely going. I mean, if we were going to review it, I would definitely be on the show to review it because I like the show and I'm interested to see what they're going to do towards the the DC superheroes. So the one thing that Don didn't mention is that it actually does have a release date, which will be September 9th. So that'll actually be right after the next episode releases. So just make sure you set your DVRs or for those out there who still use VCRs, set those for September 9th on Cartoon Network and make sure you check your local listings for the actual time that will be airing. But it's set to air on September 9th. And who uses VCRs anymore? (laughs) It's 2012. (laughs) Oh, gosh. I went to the DC Nation panel, and that was going to be talking basically about that hour block with the shorts that Cartoon Network has on Saturday mornings. And they first started off just telling us, you know, DC Nation is going to come up with new shorts, which even though Green Lantern and Young Justice have been repeats, the shorts that have been coming out have actually been new. They had the three-part China Batman story that has been out, which I had no idea, so I've missed that. But they also pimped Doom Patrol and Black Lightning Family coming out. Out there as well. Then they showed us two different trailers. One was for the Green Lantern show, and that was about three times longer than the Young Justice one. The Green Lantern show kind of gave a recap, but then had three one to two minute little segments that were going to be appearing. Guy Gardner's going to be coming on, Parallax sort of raising the Manhunters, and then Chip, the, the Green Lantern squirrel. So those are the three things there. Young Justice started off rehashing what happened. Hopefully everyone knows, but spoiler, Artemis is not dead. Oh, gosh, that was emotionally traumatizing to watch that. So they show everything up to there, and then it's like, bam, 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 like gunfire, all these different scenes. It was it was really hard to, to figure out what was going on. Deathstroke is shown, static shock. You see a snapshot of Despero. You see Tigress, and Tigress is right now described as a sidekick to Kaldur. So it's probably Artemis in her other form. But it was just like a lot of scenes, and it was really short and Everyone in the in the section there really wanted to see more Young Justice. That was definitely the thing that was getting all the applause and the shouts. But then the focus really turned to the new TV series that are coming out, but where the Batman and Teen Titans go. And not much was really said about Teen Titans Go, but I don't think necessarily there needed to be. They're just 11-minute short episodes. It's all fun. No seriousness. You're going to have repeat villains as well as new things. And the design is just like what we see on those little short segments during DC But a lot was said on Beware the Batman. Gosh. So... The thing is that there have been great Batman shows in the past and they've, you know, they really highlighted that, but this is going to be sort of a new thing. And a lot of the details, you know, were kind of shocking to hear that, you know, Alfred is basically the same age as Batman and he's more of a partner and he trained Batman. So they're, he's less of a butler, right? And, and as I said before, they really described him as a James Bond type, Sean Connery in The Untouchables. Katana, the quote that they said was, she's the girl. You know, like they needed a token female in this show. So Katana is the girl and they don't want to go into Robin right now. And they also say, you know, she's sort of the Robin, but she's more than a partner. And she has some sort of mysterious connection to Alfred, which they'll get into. Batman, he is really portrayed as not having a lot of humanity. Like he's trying to get himself to the peak of being a superhero. He's trying to sleep the least amount of hours necessary to survive. He doesn't really eat. So one of Alfred's jobs, I guess, is to like really get him to eat. So I guess he's not having that superfood like in the Nolan films. 
it's just, yeah, sort of all normalcy is gone. And I think other characters start to add, you know, some of the humanity that Batman has lost. It's five or six years into his career. There will be some Babs action. They describe her as a precocious daughter of Lieutenant Gordon, so he's younger. And she's going to be working with computers, so everyone is like, wink, wink, nudge, nudging. But she sees Katana and she realizes that girls, too, can be heroes, so we'll see what that will be like. And I think the other thing that they really were going into were the different types of villains that they're going to have. They're going to have Mr. Toad and Professor Pig. They're going to have Anarchy, and they described him as the White King to Batman's Black King, Humpty Dumpty, Magpie, and Metamorpho. And there was a a bit of a tease to the Outsiders. So it seems like they're really starting off fresh, but they are borrowing from, I mean, Professor Pig is a recent storyline. So they are borrowing from the comics and recent things. And it seems like they have a lot to work with and they're sort of teasing things that they can do in the future. But I know everyone was, and, and I was of that number, you know, wondering about this 3D animation. But they're really excited about it, especially because when you're given such a physical form, they can really play with the lighting in these 3D models. And I think they were really excited about that, and it, it comes across well. Right. And then the only other news that was released about that was they also mentioned who will be voicing some of the main characters. So Batman will be voiced by Anthony Ruvivere. Sumali Montano will be voicing Katana. J.B. Blanc as Alfred and Kurtwood Smith as Gordon. So those are the main voice actors for this new Batman series. In addition to that, Stella and Don both conducted interviews with the producers for both Beware the Batman and Teen Titans Go. Those interviews are actually up on our YouTube page as well as the website, so if you are interested in hearing more about Beware the Batman and Teen Titans Go, be sure to check out those interviews right now. Alright, so then let's talk about the merchandise. We have two Mattel panels that happened, and we also have the DC Collectibles, so let's start with DC Collectibles. So the big DC collectible thing were the sideshows, and they were all going into the the Justice League and the Dark Side and all and the Watchmen, and of course Dark Knight Rises and all of these things. Cover Girls revisiting with new designs the females, and the big Cover Girl this time was Ivy, of course, which was the new release there. All the black and whites they went into those. The Amakami, and then the Mad Just Us League of Stupid Heroes. Those were very interesting. Um, They were pretty excited about this print order program and if you've gone on DC Comics website or even seen in their comics, you start to see ads for these and it's not just printing covers, but they're actually revisualizing different things that are happening in the stories or things like that and you can actually order prints, which is pretty neat for that. Starting to get into the three and three quarter line and they're putting it out there to see if interest takes and the first thing they started with was Akilawog and Kyle Rayner and those were the SECC exclusives. And so they're going to see how those are taken and then perhaps build a greater universe with those toys. The big thing that they're sneak peeking for 2013 with, you know, their busts and their statues and everything. Arrow, based on the new TV series that's coming on the CW on Wednesday. Man of Steel, of course. And then a new DC Universe line. It was very vague and the images they showed were obviously like very obscured and very odd angles so you couldn't tell what was going on but a new line in an interesting light was the way they were pimping that out and they revealed Pandora so it's obviously or probably you know DC New 52 associated but 
I think that was basically it. I think the one question that really stuck with me was somebody wanted a statue or a bust of the Joker face that was cut off in Detective Comics. And I just thought, oh, my word, if they make that, that would be a little insane. The interesting thing to me was the prince, because I'm glad they're expanding the prince. Back at C2E2, they actually had the first three prints available at the convention, and it was kind of like a test run to see how well they would do. I purchased one of the prints. I'm going to end up getting it framed and hanging on one of my many walls that I have, along with all the other Batman stuff I have. But some of these prints are really, really interesting and really, really cool. It's either something from the comics, the print that I specifically bought, it looks like a blueprint with just, you know, a silhouette type image of a number of the different vehicles from the movie and animated series history as far as the vehicles that Batman has, and I really enjoy that, and it shows that they're not just going to stick with just the comics, but they are going to have comics. Another one that was released back at C2E2 was the Candor. It was like a old-style, probably like 1920s kind of-esque feel with a picture of Candor with the architectural themes and stuff like that. Kind of like a travel poster for Candor. So, I mean, they're, they're definitely going to switch it up, and that's something that's really going to interest me, and I'm going to be keeping an eye on that, and obviously we'll be bringing any of the prints that they release that are Batman-related to the website as well. Yeah, I did see a really cool one recently. I'm not sure if it was in one of my comics or on the website. It was Batman, but it was in the Night of the Owls or I guess before and like his mask is all messed up it was that one panel and just like I'm gonna find you I can't remember what the quote was but it, it was it's cool that they're they're doing this I think because some people aren't interested in toys as much and they like the images so to be able to give that to a wider audience I think is a great idea all right so then let's talk about the big Mattel news there's two panels Stella's gonna cover both of them yeah <laughs> I got all the the goodies and the toys. So the first one, Mattel in DC, again, the focus was really on The Dark Knight Rises. There were six toys, movie masters that they combined to make a bat signal, which was very reminiscent of some of the Marvel toys that make a big baddie or something like that. In 2013, the Toys R Us is going to be examining the trilogy with either the vehicles like the Bat Pod, the Tumblr, or the or the different suits that Batman has worn because they've been different in each of the movies. They're going to be completing their teams that they've started, like Doom Patrol and the Metal Men. DC Universe classics with Red Robin, Superboy Prime, Superman, and Batman. And then there's a Batman Unlimited line, and it's going to have Batgirl, Penguin, and Batman. And apparently they're going to be constructed from Metallic Deco. They're very excited about it. They just kept saying Metallic Deco. And the DC Comics Unlimited line is going to have Superman, Flash, and Hawkman. And there'll be a piece of comic art on every box. They were big into designing the box to really fit with the figures. There's going to be Injustice Gods Among Us figures, which, I mean, that's not really too much of a shock after all the figures that have come out from Arkham City. And they're going to continue to release Arkham City figures as well. And then they have the new Power Attack line, which I don't know if you guys have seen any of these, but really, like, it's a fun line from Batman. It really accentuates kicking and punching action, so they make really big... Big feet and really big fists and things like that. And they have people like, well, they obviously have Batman and Robin and have Two-Face and Killer Croc. And it kind of goes along online. And there's basically a storyline that goes with each of the figures. So if Batman is fighting Two-Face in a volcanic region, which actually really happens, then he's going to need something special for that particular region or like an ice region or things like that. So these are just fun lines for kids and, and adults alike. And 
And in 2013, there's going to be an Attack in the Box Joker and a Bane Deluxe. And they would have sort of a standard, a middle, and then a deluxe. And standard would be like the least amount of armor as possible. And then the middle line, I can't remember what it's called, but there's more armor. And then deluxe is just like completely armored out. So you can just imagine Batman Deluxe or Bane Deluxe. Okay, that was Maddie in DC. The Maddie Collector, the two big things, because a lot of it was like repeat basically of what had been said in the Mattel line. Maddie Collector, Young Justice has basically stopped creating figures and things like that. The last thing they are creating is this $50 two-pack, six inches, Superboy and Ms. Martian, and it's only pre-sale, and the pre-sale is going on right now until August 14th, and if they make what they deem a suitable number of sales, then they'll go forward with it, but if they don't make what they want to, and I just saw, I don't know if it was a joke or not, and it was just an image, but I saw on their website they had this little thermometer, and there's a line up there, goal, and boy, is it really far from the goal right now, but if they don't meet the goal, then they'll give you your money back, and that that's the last of it, and the designs are from the new series, so after the five-year time skip, if you're wondering about that. But the big thing that really came out there, because again, all of it was really repeat and, and things we had seen, in 2013, in the fall of 2013, and people were really excited for this, classic Batman TV line of figures being produced. So we're talking 60s, you know, style like Penguin and Batman and all sorts of, and people were pretty excited about that, but they didn't show us anything, which really, that, that was kind of stinky unfortunately but I think that that is great I can't believe no one's come up with that idea before and I think that's really going to get people interested people who haven't bought figures or or don't normally like I would definitely go and get a Yvonne Craig styled Batgirl so I think that was the biggest surprise and most pleasing to people at that panel all right so lots and lots of stuff and Actually, as Stella was saying that, I actually went to the DC Collectible website and actually found out that there already is a number of other prints available. Some of them include a Haley Circus Flying Grayson's poster. There's a number of Court of Owls pictures. There's a number of different travel posters for Coast City, Themyscira, as I mentioned before, Candor. So there's some of those. There's a bunch of other Batman ones you can check out. There's some specifically related to some of the characters like Green Lantern, Aquaman. The other really cool one is there's like a specific poster that says, Beware Gotham's Loneliest Street. And it's kind of like a blacked out image with a uh, street lamp shining down on some chalk marks of two bodies. And it says at the bottom, Crime Alley. So I'm definitely going to be adding the Crime Alley and the Flying Graysons to the cart as we speak and be purchasing those. So I'm going to keep up with this because clearly I didn't realize they were releasing them so frequently. I'm going to be making sure to report these as they release because these are really, really cool. And I'd love to see these do really well and continue to be releasing more and more. But as far as Mattel goes, I have to say the thing I'm looking forward to is the new Batman series that they are looking to release a number of, similar to what they do with the Legacy series. That is probably the most interesting one to me because not only will they include figures from the movies, but they'll also include figures from the cartoons and as well as the comics. So when they blend all that together, I really like the idea of the Legacy series, how they were able to throw in figures from Batman Arkham City without having to create an entirely new line just based off of the fact that they were released them around the time that the game came out. So that was really cool, and I really, really want them to continue to do that so that way we can see figures. You know, for instance, 
if the series was continuing right now, we could see figures for The Dark Knight Returns, for instance, because the movie's coming out. So it would give them an opportunity to release figures based off of specific things that are happening without having to create entirely new line, which means they wouldn't have to redo packaging, they wouldn't have to redo the marketing for it, things like that, so that way it doesn't add costs to something that they already are doing. So I really like the idea of that. I'm glad that they are going to continue to that. But that is pretty much everything from Comic-Con International. Real quick, Don Sella highlights that are not panel-related. Sella had a very colorful experience when Kevin Smith moderated the DC Nation panel, right? Oh my gosh. Yeah, I did forget to mention that, didn't I? So, people, if you ever go to San Diego, you get this huge booklet that's at least 50 pages. And it's basically the schedule, and it details what's in each panel and everything. And there are are particular panels that have a K on it and it's like very bright like they make it very you know it's it's for kids it's kid friendly so DC Nation has a K on it guess who the moderator is Kevin Smith do you I think that Kevin Smith should have been the moderator for a kids panel no because within the first five minutes and that is not an exaggeration the F-bomb dropped at least once and I sort of face palmed I thought oh man this is not going to be kid friendly and I mean he he continually cursed throughout so that was sort of the down point I think of that I just don't think that was a good decision I don't know who comes up with these I assume publicists for DC but I just don't think that was the best play to be honest I understand he's a fanboy just like the rest of us but you know it's a kids panel there was also different moments during the various panels. I know during the Batman panel, obviously, I know it's been announced, but where Josh and I were covering that, they said, who wants owl masks? And then a henchman come out in, you know, like a stormtrooper form with owl masks. I still have mine. I'm looking at it right now in my room. I mean, there were, there were other panels such as like the one where they're discussing Batman Earth One, the one where they dropped the bomb about Tim Drake and the one where they're talking about, you know, the talent book. But, uh, you know, certain events like that, like the Kevin Smith one and the Batman album mass ones were the ones where, you know, you couldn't have predicted it. And it did add to, like, the electricity in the room about, you know, Batman and DC. I mean, aside from the cosplays, which I really enjoyed, it was sort of like when creators kind of went out their way and did some things like that, which really added to the experience. So overall, Comic-Con 2012 compared to the previous year. Hmm. You go first, Stella. Okay. I wondered. I mean, I'm prepared for this. I don't think it was as exciting as last year. I love like the culture of it and the the experience of it and especially, you know, being with people that I love to spend time with, Don and Josh. But, you know, the thing was that a lot of the stuff being released or talked about at these panels had already been released in the news, you know, a week or two weeks before. So it was all very redundant, like zero month. There was a focus on the zero month and, you know, basically just going on what's going to happen, all these zero issues. And I thought, wait a minute, haven't we seen this in the solicitations? And then, of course, we mentioned before, there was nothing about The Dark Knight Returns. So it just seems like it was very lacking in a lot of information. But the culture and the experience always will remain the same. But I don't think the panels, the comic ones or, or these sorts of things were as great. But it was, I wasn't too sure about, you know, going to DC Collectibles or the Mattel. But I actually enjoyed going to something that was different. That's something that I wouldn't necessarily go to and, and getting information and news about that. Yeah, the time spent with Josh and Stella is irreplaceable. Those are always the best moments, but to get less personal and more clinical. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it wasn't as... Obviously, last year was the New Future 2. We were just, you know, our noses were pinned to the books on that one. I specifically remember the DC panel. Like, it was very odd. Or, I mean, the Batman panel, because Judd Winnick wasn't there. 
And I remember wondering, because Jet Wink's writing Catwoman and Batwing, when they're talking about Zero Month, and there was zero mention of Batwing. So I was like, well, what's going on? I mean, is Batwing canceled like we assumed it's going to be? And I actually jumped Bobby Chase and asked, what's the deal? And she said, oh, Jet Wink was just sick, even though we didn't mention the character at all. But the, the information overall wasn't stuff that we hadn't heard before. I actually remember Gail Sloan having being very, very mum in terms of the future plans about Batgirl. And just just overall, I'm, I'm surprised that Dark Knight Returns wasn't mentioned as much. The Beware of the Batman interviews were pretty nice, and I liked, after the fact, once I saw the trailer for Young Justice, it looked pretty cool. But overall, it was it was lacking. But at the same time, news doesn't really make the experience. You know, it's the people you're with, it's the fans being very positive, it's the 50% discount deals on trade paperbacks. There's a lot more that goes into it than just the news. So, I mean, it, it, was, it was still fun. All right, so... To wrap everything up, if you head over to the website, not only will you be able to see all of the news that we talked about, but you'll also be able to see a number of different pictures. And as I mentioned earlier, we did three interviews while we were at Comic-Con this year. There's the interviews with Beware the Batman producers. There's an interview with the producers of Teen Titans Go. And there's also a interview with Mark Nobleman, who recently wrote Bill the Boy Wonder, the book about Bill Finger. So you can check out those on the YouTube page. You can head over to the merchandise section to not only see the news, but also images of the various different booths, including DC Collectibles, Sideshow Collectibles, Mezco, Square Enix, the Mattel booth, and the Lego booth. And there's all kinds of new images, specifically, even though there wasn't panels related to, for instance, Mezco, Sideshow Collectibles, and Lego, they all revealed new pieces. I'm most excited about the Lego stuff, so definitely check those images out. Tons of new Batman figures, including some based off The Dark Knight Rises, so definitely check those out. So that is everything for this episode. I want to remind everybody to head over to the website to check out news related to movies, TV, merchandise, video games, and of course the comics as well. You can check out the other podcasts, including the Batman Universe specials, where we have the review of The Dark Knight Rises already up there for you guys to take a listen to, and also before the end of August we'll be releasing another special related to a number of the Batman graphic novels that have been released over the past year, so you can take a listen to that and look forward to that as well. In addition to that, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube for all the latest news and videos from the Batman Universe. You can leave us a review on iTunes, those are always greatly appreciated. And you can email us at podcast at thebatmanuniverse.net. We also put back up on top of the website the link to find out how to add the Batman Universe podcast to Stitcher. So you can get Stitcher on your mobile phone and start listening to us on the go if you already are not. So just take a look at that. The link is back up on the top of the website. So that is everything for this episode. This is Dustin. This is not John. This is Donovan. <laughs> and this is Stella. You've been listening to the Batman Universe Podcast. We'll see you guys next time. Take care, everybody. I'll see you next year. I'll see, we'll see you at San Diego Comic-Con 2013. And if you look at those Lego photos, tell me what is off about those images. Tell me what is off. <laughs>
Crap. Hold on a second. Queen of Layaway. <laughs> <laughs> oh. That's, that's the, the Queen of Layaway. Eh? 